Hello and welcome to Connected, the podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hello, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And joining us today for our very special 100th episode. Woohoo! I can't believe we made it this far. I can't believe the people are still listening to us. Is Aisha Addison. How are you doing, Aisha? I'm good, thank you. Hi, thanks for having me on. Now, you, Aisha, are a planning manager at Mediacom, but not only that, you hold a law degree and you are one of the coveted campaign 30 under 30s from last year. So, what on earth are you doing in media after getting a law degree? <laughs> Um, that's, uh, that's a very good question. It's also something I'm sure my mum's asked many times. <laughs> um, so to be honest, it, it kind of stemmed from the fact that when I, um, when I finished my A-levels, um, I kind of did the sensible thing when, um, the uni fees kind of went up to like nine grand a year. Um, I wanted to be a classic, I was a bit of a classic nerd so I wanted to actually study classics and somehow find a career oh, through that and I had a very really uh, did you actually study no, classics I, I studied history instead <laughs> um, but uh you know I mean like I do think it's like a sliding doors moment I would have loved it would have been lovely to do that I oh, got it really interesting you know I love a bit of Latin and Greek. <laughs> yeah I was an absolute nerd of it I'd studied Latin I was doing classics at sixth form um I was reading the Iliad like I love that kind of stuff um and then when the kind of nine nine grand a year uni fees came uh, I had to sort of have a sit down with my mum and we were just like okay yeah. realistically what career do you think you could get from studying classics and I said I have no idea um and then I just took the sensible decision to say okay let's let's try law um you had the Latin I mean there's a lot of Latin in law so yeah exactly so I was just thinking okay law is a sensible yeah um career path to go down um and you know once I once I kind of did the degree um did the degree and sort of was there with my law degree I was just thinking oh god I don't think um, I don't think this is for me. I think one of the great things about going to university is you really, it really helps you figure out whether you love or you kind of hate your course by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I think by the end of it, I just felt like I couldn't give myself any more, any more um, to, to the subject. There were elements of law that I enjoyed, but I just felt like my heart was really in it. Then. Um, with media, it, I kind of just fell into it. One of my um, uh, my stepdad at the time had um, made friends with a with a lady who who had a perfume company, mm-hmm. and um, she needed someone to sort of help her with her with her um, sort of bottling perfumes mm-hmm. and um, just assi- assist her basically. So so I helped her out. And then a lot of what I ended up doing, which I didn't realise inadvertently, was um, marketing in media. So um, helping her with her social media, thinking of different ways to kind of market her perfumes, um, like particular times in the year, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then I thought, oh, maybe I should go to I should go back to university and do a marketing degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just on the Internet one day, uh, I think it was like on Guardian Jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I read this really nondescript job description that was just like, do you think differently? <laughs> Are you an interesting person? <laughs> and it was basically a job description for Mediacom. And I had no idea what, what Mediacom did, no. what they were. And I just sort of, um, I, I kind of obsessively went through the the Mediacom website, just looking at all of the different things that the, the company did and and sort of like branding and strategy and I just found it like really interesting um and I, I kind of realized there's actually parallels between law and and marketing well I thought at the time there was mm -hmm. the idea of sort of communication and persuasion that Absolutely. I've quite liked yeah. and it, it's um a, a, arguing the strategy in a pitch is not dissimilar to arguing a case in the court of law yeah yeah so those are the weirdly those are the things I sort of actually liked about simple, law yeah. but I just wasn't yeah yeah um it there were some similarities and those are the things that I liked so the the pitching aspect the the public speaking aspect the the persuasion aspect um but you know a lot of the time I was just sat there in a library reading tons and tons and tons of um, case law that just I wasn't as interested in whereas sort of reading stories about um, storytelling um, you know formulation of brands that kind of stuff actually interested me so um, when I sort of got the when I read the job description for, for Mediacom and I sort of realized what what Mediacom did um, I, I got really into it and I, I applied and here I am well, pretty our, much law's loss is totally our game right yeah exactly <laughs> massively well let's talk about can you tell us a bit about your experience in media how long you've you've been in media and how you think that it may differ as a black person in media if at all um hmm, all. i think with in that um, I can't speak to sort of um, anyone else's experience, um, but for me, I know that, and again, it is going to start with law, in that when I was doing work experience in um, in primarily like law-related fields, the, the experiences that I had were very formal, very... Um, uh, I wouldn't kind of there's at times I would feel like I was experiencing discrimination, but it was in a very sort of underhanded way, a very backhanded way where people would sort of be sort of surprised by my intelligence um, at times. And um, so when I came into media, I did have my guard a little bit up already, but I was lucky in that um, one thing I did find was the, the informality of of media in that you know you don't have to wear a suit and um, you can just be a little bit more casual and people speak to you like a normal person that was the thing that I really appreciated and liked and I think just um, as a kind of person of colour just my experiences have been a lot um, a lot better I would say in comparison to my experiences um, in law but it's not to say that it, that it's been a kind of perfect world I think that um, at least um, you know when I've had the, the managers that I've had and the people that I've come into contact with have been great cheerleaders of mine and that's been a wonderful thing but at the same time I do think that you know just little things like entering a room um, and not necessarily and um, kind of being the only one um, and sort of sometimes feeling that you can't always speak out or speak up 
um, for worry of being the one to kind of bring up the elephant in the room, which might be race or insensitivity. Um, so I think that I, d- I definitely have had experiences of feeling like the only one, which I think is more of the negative elements of, of media. And I think just in general, um, being a minority, I'm not always going to be um, the majority in the room. Um, that's just been my experience growing up in Kent. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it's something that I'm used to, but I think that um, I've been able to um, find ways to to make that my strength in that, okay, if I'm going to be the only one in the room, I might as well make my make the um, experience people have with me memorable um, in a positive way. Um, so I think that that's a way that I've definitely tried to to turn that negative into a positive. But I do think that um, I know from some of my other friends who've had experiences in media that, that, ha- that haven't always been positive from a race perspective where you can be considered snarky or someone with an attitude problem um just by the way that your your voice comes across and um I think I'm lucky in the fact that you know I'm relatively well spoken so I would be considered the more approachable or um sort of um yeah more approachable um person of color to to possibly come across which I think is a terrible thing Mm. um so I do have that kind of I wouldn't say guilt, but I do have that sort of, I do question myself sometimes and say, okay, if I sounded a little bit different, Mm -hmm. do I think that my point of view would be sort of less accepted, Mm -hmm. um, for example? Um, But I think the one thing I would say about media in general that I've really enjoyed is just um, that everyone's sort of excited to hear um, ideas and, and kind of build the collaborative nature of it is something that I've really enjoyed just sort of sitting in a room or sometimes even just going to a person saying hey I have this idea what do you think where where am I going wrong that kind of collaborative nature I didn't really feel like I was getting from um, from from my work experience in law so I think that's definitely been a plus for me. Okay. Um, so that first day that you came in for your interview um, and your first day at MediaCom, I mean, those, God, it's been a, a long while since I've had a first day. I suppose I've had first days in new jobs here, but it's been a long time since I've had a first day at a new, new job. Um, yeah. Or kind of like an interview where you really care. Um, all of us have to kind of build ourselves up because all of us have those voices right in our head. What, what do what do you say to yourself how do you get through those situations what do, and what did you say to yourself as you as you I don't know the day you got on the bus for, or whatever it was or the tube to come in to see the interview at MediaCom uh, the first thing that I said was I think I'm overdressed um that was definitely the first thing I said when I well that's oh, what well, literally I said you said that oh, to yourself uh, uh, yeah it's just trying to traverse the line smart casual I feel is just the biggest oxymoron of all time and I always have trouble just traversing that world um, in general can I just interrupt you and tell you what my auntie Joyce famously said to me once and she repeats which is she says there's no such thing as being overdressed everybody else is just underdressed darling (laughs) did you do one of the the graduate days Aisha did you you do the graduate yes I did um I did it's it's a brutal process. Yeah, it's just really um, brutal. May I just say, it is... I, um, I, I think too brutal. 
Yeah, it can be quite a, it's always X factor-ish um, yes, in well, that. Uh, I, I don't know how many, um, I don't know how many like secrets I'm allowed to, to dispel here. But just, so just I have one then, right? That, so it's a day yeah. of interviews and tasks um, where there's two, there's one round where people drop out midway through so we can focus on yeah. people who have performed. It's jump through some hoops. Yeah. Here you go, jump on some more hoops. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to defend it. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I think, I it, think it's, it's great for extroverts. Aisha, it, this is about you, not about yeah. what Andrew and I think. So you, I you think, came to this brutal process. You survived it. I think it, it, is, it is a brutal process, but at the same time, I'm also going to defend it. But I, I understand what you mean in that because I've, I've sort of... Um, uh, I now help out with those with those days and and I agree in that if if you're a person who's very good at bouncing off other people and, and talking it can mean that the spotlight is on you but I also think that you also have to have have interviewers who are there to spot the people who may not say a lot but when they do say something it is insightful and interesting um and I think that the great thing about the that interview process is you have a lot of people um interviewing so there's loads of people around who are sort of going to have a different point of view on different people and um, which can give a little bit more of a broader picture because my experience before of interviews was you go in you speak to sort of one person they give you a laundry list of questions and that was it whereas I mean this is a little bit apprentice style I would say but how, did you, that, how did you feel at the time so less about kind of what you think of the process but kind of that day um, you came that in. Day, you dressed. Um, I'm sure you looked lovely. I, felt, <laughs> you looked very small. I came in. I felt overdressed and um, just very. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I felt quite scared, but also, but just because the sheer amount of people um, there to interview. I'd just never been in an interview process where you kind of see everyone you're kind of up against, mm. um, and you. It's an interesting dynamic because you have to work together. Um, so from that point, I realised, OK, I can't be the shoutiest because um, sometimes I, I think I can be a bit gobby. <laughs> I can just talk <laughs> sentences on end without breathing, without letting other people talk. So I, I did realise that yeah. um, in a way you have to make sure that you let yourself shine, but you also make room for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the one thing I, I did enjoy, just being able to not just have an idea, but sort of say something and let other people kind of take my ideas, bounce around and, and collaborate. And that was my first real experience of kind of idea generation and collaboration. And I quite liked the taste of it. So from that point, I felt both scared, but also kind of energised and inspired to get involved. Um, and also, I wasn't afraid to tell people I really wanted the job. I think one of the questions, yeah. I think someone, yeah, I think Jeff asked me um, a really hard question. I think he was like, if you could be um, on the cover of a magazine, what would you be wearing and what did the headline say? Mm-hmm. And that was such a cardboard question. It's a weird, yeah, it's a, it is a weird question. What did you remember um, what you answered? I think I said I be on the cover of Vice magazine just because I really enjoyed their their interview styles and the, the content I'd be wearing a suit with a hat with bunny ears on it because I quite liked being sort of smart the smart casual aspect of that 
and then uh, the headline said hire me <laughs> very good so <laughs> any, if we've got any 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 budding media people who want to join media come out there remember the hat with the bunny ears <laughs> <laughs> And, I'm not and gonna lie, I was highly, I was highly caffeinated at that point. I think I'd had two, two cokes. Um, so, so. And, then, and then you get the job, which is obviously great news. You come in on your first day. I'm imagining you now thinking about exactly what smart casual means on on day one in the office. God. Um, again, I was overdressed. I wore a suit jacket. I'm um, saying there's I'm, no such thing as I'm saying. <laughs> we need to get rid of that idea. <laughs> 100%. Well, that is very true. I think I didn't actually have a chance to see you on the day, but when I have seen all of the amazing outfits that you wow. wear, I realise that there is no such thing. You're no right. such thing. Correct. Exactly. Not at me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think on my first day, my thought was kind of, um, I felt like a grown up. It was the first time I was like, oh, I'm a grown up. I've got a real, I don't know if people still say this, but like I've got a real like job job. Um, because before I was it's like going out out you know it's like a real thing um where before I'd had sort of mini jobs here I was an assistant I was um I was working at Selfridges for for a while I was just sort of doing lots of jobs that kind of came my way whereas this is the first time um you know I wasn't doing multiple jobs I had one job to do um and I was I was excited but at the same time I was like oh I'm grown up now like I've graduated to becoming this this really um sensible person who's got a nine to five can I ask you just um, a, a subsidiary question to that because I was I was listening um to the news this morning and obviously there it is very very difficult to be somebody who is looking for an entry-level job at the moment because yes. people are cutting jobs um and they were talking about um the couple of people on who said that they'd just spent four months sending out 10 to, to, to 15 CVs a day was that your experience too, in terms of, of finding yeah. a job, or did, or, or was it, or were you lucky, in the sense um, of that? You know, that was my off. experience. I um, I was, I think I've always been a planner because I had an Excel spreadsheet of all of the different companies that I had applied to, yeah. um, the pros and cons of why I wanted to work there, their best work, and kind of how, like how and why I would apply so I think I had like six or seven agencies I don't think it was 15 but I had six or seven agencies that I was applying to around the same time because I think that a lot of companies do sort of um, recruitment drafts around the same time um so yeah it was a very kind of packed process where um I was constantly changing my CV to match the job description yeah. constantly trying to think of um the different ways that you can answer an interview question because I also do think that if you really want to to go for a job you do have to make sure that you're um you know whilst you always want to be your most authentic self you're not going to necessarily give the same cookie cutter answers every time mm-hmm. so for me I did feel like I sort of tweak my on interview questions mm-hmm. um depending on the company that I was speaking to and the role role that it was so yeah it's a really really like I don't envy the the, the graduates who are going through it now because yeah. honestly it was it was quite dog eat dog when I was doing it at the time mm-hmm. Because from my memory, and I know this is like three, four, four five years ago, um, everyone was saying, you know, the, the jobs are dropping up and, and everyone's applying for the same thing. Um, yeah, it, it is a bit dog eat dog. And it's like you genuinely have to put like an insane laundry list of different companies that you're going to to apply to. 
um, what the role is and to try and remind yourself. But I was genuinely sending um, interview after interview, mm. um, just writing up different job specs. Mm. Um, and I, to be honest, I, I was lucky in the fact that I, I was I was getting a couple of interviews. And I do think some of that was down to the fact that I wasn't necessarily just sending the same application over and over again. But it is work. It's work. Yeah. Um, and listen, look, we're lucky to have you. But uh, but I, I think it's good for people to understand it's just a massive amount of work to get that. But oh, absolutely. Yeah, I did. I went through a similar process in 2008 when the finance crash happened and there were a lot of agencies that weren't taking on people. Um, I didn't know anything about media. I just applied to every job in London um, and just tried to get it. And the dress thing is so right, because when, when you know, I, I, I went in in a full suit for my grad day uh, and I got through yeah. by just being a bit cheeky, charming. I think I because I can talk a little bit. Um, I mean, and then my first day and they said smart casual i had no idea what to wear i wore chinos for the first and only time in my life my mother-in-law said you have to wear chinos that's smart casual <laughs> i think um, for a lot of men that's that's as far as it gets is uh, chinos yeah, yeah. And a yeah. but i also had um two earrings or an ear stud in each ear and simon davis who's just started walk in media um he looked at me quite shocked and he will still say i'm the only man he's ever employed who had with two earrings which you might have to change that now <laughs> not very open <laughs> i mean it's a different time. uh so as a fellow 30 under 30 i get this question a lot so how did 30 under 30 happen for you how can people become a 30 under 30 why do you think you got it as well um i i can never i find this this is a hard question because i think for me it was again it was a journey um, you'll notice something about me. I'm, I'm never 100% on brief. I'm probably going to do a couple loop to loops before I fully answer this question. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, I think it was a testament to confidence because it, I knew it was something that I wanted to do. Um, like I'd looked into, okay, what are the things that you can sort of do to kind of highlight you as a person in media? This is something I do want to do. Um, I'd looked into doing it, I think, around 2018, um, the first time. And I kind of looked at the application and just I think I I think I even came to you and asked you because you had been someone and everyone was like, yeah, ASD is amazing. He's he's won one before. You should speak to him. He'll know exactly. He'll know exactly what happens. Um, and I remember we kind of went for a walk and you sort of told me you've got to have confidence in yourself. And you were just like really um, you were really great and told me to, you know, just just apply. And um, I didn't. <laughs> Basically, I think the first year I was just way too scared and just thought, oh, no one's going to pick me. No one's going to um, think that I've done important enough work. Um, and I think the first thing that I would say to anyone who wants to do it is regardless of whether you think you've got a shot or not, just do it. Give it a go. Try. Um, because I think the second year, which was 2019 entry, um, when um, uh, I think Nancy came to me and said, I think you should apply for this. Um, this time I was like, OK, I am determined. I will actually put my best foot forward and just craft a story because I felt like um, it's not just necessarily about giving like a laundry list of achievements that you've made. It's about saying, OK, who am I? what do I think my point of view is in this industry and what's the story I want to tell mm. and um, I can't tell my story personally about who I am in media without thinking about 
um, just my race, being a person of colour and just what I'm passionate about, which is kind of opening the door up for anyone who is marginalised or different in the industry. So and that's been the story that I've kind of been telling in terms of why I sort of help out with HR initiatives and and take part in talks and things. Those are the things that have um, that have sparked joy, that have just made me um, to quote Marie Kondo. Um, those are the things that have just made me passionate um, about um or, yeah they've just been passion for me in media so I think you just start with what gets you excited and and what spurns your work and what inspires you and and you craft your story that way and I found that was a lot easier so um when it when it came to to applying because I was talking about what I was interested in and not just giving people a laundry list of um a laundry list of achievements um because I think my the questions that they had asked was kind of how do you solve a problem and I said okay instead of just saying I solve the problem x y and z ways I said this is who I am as a person I am a I think I define myself as a tinkerer I quite like to um I like to solve challenges I like to sort of unpick things apart um as everyone knows I'm I'm very um I'm not a big picture person I'm very much like in the minutiae of the details of things um as my managers often tell me mm-hmm. <laughs> um so and I I wanted to just explain that's who I was as a person so in every element of all of the questions that they that they asked in the the application that's who I defined myself as and I was able to kind of say okay I'm a tinkerer I'm someone who likes to pull things apart and and really like get to the heart of things and and figure out what the issue is and in that I could tell a story not just in you know I'm a tinkerer in you know my day-to-day but I also like to kind of pull apart wider problems in the industry which is kind of diversity in media Mm -hmm. which I know is still a kind of buzzword as it is and I don't think that people have to necessarily talk about diversity in order to to get the award um I think it's just about calling out the elephant in the room whatever your elephant is or whatever you're passionate about and crafting that story I think we I I was in this conversation um, a couple of days ago actually which is that speaking speaking with with passion um you know, if you're in a room with someone who's passionate about something, then you come out with a very, you know, you come out inspired, you come out alight, you come yeah. out um, really getting them. And so I think that's that's a storytelling with passion. That's, that's pretty much, pretty much right. what everyone should aspire to. Yeah. And, and yeah. talking of storytelling, Aisha, so I was a judge last year, so I wasn't allowed to judge your particular entry because obviously the yeah. connection, I was biased. But your video... I've, I think have I just had a flashback to your video was it the cooking one is that yeah is that right? so oh God. <laughs> so you've given a very good answer but you stood out massively because you have to give a video and you have to answer the questions right and yeah everyone there's a real mix of some agencies put the same people through the same process so all the videos look the same months and it was they were pretty dull yours yeah. was nuts right I can remember <laughs> yours so I can tell you it's nuts can you give us 30 <laughs> seconds on what you did um, so basically I decided, I don't know if this came across, I decided to create a kind of, uh, a TV show called like the 30 under 30 show. Um, and there were kind of 
I think there were two segments from my memory. The first was a fake cooking show where I had created the perfect 30 under 30 candidate and I basically poured ingredients which were my achievements um then put like all of the ingredients in an oven and it came out with a picture of my face on it (laughs) as um as the perfect 30 under 30 candidate I think I even because I think Hearst were the um were kind of part of the the award so I was even like doing a bit of product placement and reading a couple Hearst magazines while I was waiting for the oven to like open (laughs) and then um that was the first segment um and then I think and then I sort of had like a word from my sponsors which was basically um instead of ads I then had all of my references basically give um reasons why I should be the perfect 30 under 30 um And then the last segment was me giving an interview to myself about who I was and why I should be the perfect 30 under 30 candidate. And just again, just speaking about what I'm passionate about, um, which is kind of mentoring and diversity. Um, And then, yeah, I faded to black and it was basically just all this fake. It was like a fake TV program um, that I edited myself um, using this like iPhone editor um I got quite creative with it because I I I decided I realized I wasn't and this was my second video attempt I was really really lucky I think the thing that saved me was I did one video which was really dry it was in a room and it was just myself yeah and then um the 30 under 30 people kind of um they extended the deadline for the video because I didn't think I'd had enough time to put together an interesting video so then I I looked online at some of the um videos that some other people had done and it was just very dry and I realized that there is no limit to how you can put this together you can do absolutely anything you want so I was like okay um I'm huge on tv love a good game show love a love a good um yeah love a good ad so I'll put together my own little sort of tv segment and that's that's kind of where it stemmed from really which is brilliant because that's our sector Um, right so you were showing your love for our sector too so that's exactly exactly So Um, what's next? What's next for you? Oh, what's next? I think it was a really big year for me last year, um, winning 30 under 30. And I think um, a lot of my career has been about um, achievement after achievement, getting promotions and and this kind of stuff. But I think for me, this year has been about taking pause and actually trying to learn more. Um, I think I've just been moving like a thousand miles a minute. Um, and I just want to take a little bit more stock and um, just learn as much as I can from just amazing, inspiring people that I've been lucky to, lucky enough to work with. Um, so this year, I think it's just more about taking stock. I can't really think of a specific. It's a weird uh, year anyway. Right? No, it's a weird, it's a weird year. In a way, I feel like this has kind of forced me to to find the quiet because I think I've just been moving so quickly um and looking for the next thing um that this year and especially with the the crazy corona related events has meant that I have been forced to kind of sit back and say okay um really think think about my next step so I don't particularly have a an an achievement or something that I 100% um want, want to nail down it's more about just um being the best possible person that I can be, um, helping as many people um, that, you know, 
within my social sphere that I can help, whether that's just mentoring people or um, just helping out friends um, and colleagues um, and and just learning more. Well, I think it's a bit of a hippy dippy answer, but no, at the minute, I, I, think, no, no, no. I think they're fantastic ambitions. I really do. I think that I, I have massive respect. I think to, to have those as, as ambitions is both um, inspiring and attainable as well. Um, and yeah. yeah. Um, very good Aisha we're on to sorry it's definitely about putting less pressure on on myself I think and and that sort of means that you can just enjoy the journey as, you, as you're taking it um which is well, definitely it's, something it's, I recommend everyone do it's, I'm, I'm quoting my, something my husband once said to um one of my daughters actually which do you know what it's not it's not a sprint it's a marathon it's kind of like you don't, you don't have to go from one <laughs> to another. Um, Absolutely. You can, you can breathe. Um, breathing is good. So regular questions. Regular questions, Aisha. So what is your favourite line from a poem, a song or a book? Um, it is from, it's a poem. Um, well, it's a rap song, which is technically a poem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Judo Flip by Asheru. Um, and the first line of the poem starts with, I am the stone that the builder refused. And I just like that line. Um, the whole a whole poem is just about um, just being different um, and breaking the mould. So I think it's, I am the stone that the builder refused. I am the visual, the inspiration that made ladies sing the blues. Um, but yeah, it's just a really nice, it's just a really nice song. Um, if you were a genie, what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? Oh, this was a hard one. I had to I had to do a poll for my whole family, um, <laughs> and I decided to nick some of the group answers answer. that they gave me. <laughs> it was a group answer. So um, Palmer's cocoa butter because yep. you must always be moisturised. Totally. Um, jollof rice <laughs> because because. I am a Nigerian and who doesn't love jollof rice? Um, for those who don't know, please look it up. It's best best food of all time. Um, my Afro pick, because I'm currently going through my natural hair journey and um, it also just means a lot. It's not just hair, it's like a revolution. So um, my Afro pick. Um, my headphones, okay. um, because music and you're wearing and them, we should say yeah I am wearing them now <laughs> it was in case the sound was terrible um and uh, it's, I feel guilty for this answer but it's true because I carry it with it with me everywhere but my iPad um not just not just for because I have my books on there so I do have my books yeah, yeah. and I have my Netflix subscription I have everything on there you know um what you're reading at the moment intellectual what are you reading at the moment Aisha anything interesting um i'm i'm terrible i'm reading three books at the same time i'm doing Um, the same thing (laughs) (laughs) because i find you know you get you you go into different moods um so i'm reading um what's the name of it now it's literally next to me um it's not it's not my favorite one you can tell um it's uh by simon sinek i think it's start with why um uh, I've been reading that. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been liking it, but I just feel like it's not the um, 
I feel like the points don't always evolve as, in the way that I would like them, but it is an interesting book. I do think it's important for strategy. Um, I've been rereading one of my favourite books as well. Um, it's called Syrup by Max Barry. I realised it was my favourite book. I'm rereading it now and realise it's terribly written, but I absolutely love it. Uh, it's about marketing, actually. It's about this guy who creates a... Um, he creates a terrible, it's all, he creates a terrible like soda um, company and realizes that you can make anybody drink anything just by mm. um, exciting enough marketing. Um, uh, it, it sort of talks about the kind of deceitful and terrible, mm. the dark side of marketing, really, um, which I find quite interesting. Yeah. Right um, then, Aisha. Uh, assuming living things in your in your house are giving you comfort what three things are actually giving you comfort in these social distancing times there mm, okay uh banana bread because mm. it's just i think every i think this is an answer that everyone can attest to um it brings me comfort knowing there's a recipe of banana bread i have not yet tried <laughs> um uh and then again my netflix subscription because i i keep telling everyone i've de i think i've completed the internet no one believes me you've finished I'm it you've had the internet i'm, I'm like sure someone's done it, it. <laughs> yeah. um and what's the third thing that brings me comfort i know you said that it can't be people but yeah no i'm not is, gonna allow it oh no, is there like a, a i don't know a, a bit of jewelry or or i don't know a picture or um you want, you want it might good look around your your flat or your house or... um one thing that oh well then it'll probably be a picture of me and my grandpa um mm. that brings me comfort That's he it. brings me comfort so that would probably be because I, I always have pictures of my family everywhere, so that would probably be... If I can't say them, then pictures of them, <laughs> which is a bit of a no, You can sneak but, that. Yeah, that does bring... Yeah. Right. Um, we are going to give you um, the power to um, change the industry in one way right now. What would you do? Um, I think it would just be um, to allow marginalized voices to be seen as well as heard um i know everyone's throwing around the diversity word right now um but i think it's not just necessarily about um having people of color or um you know people of varying able of varying levels of ability in terms of just disabled people um people who are neurodiverse um, it's just about ensuring that uh, empowering these people to um, make, be decision makers, be like positive change agents, amplify their voices. So I think it, it would be about finding a grassroots way of really ensuring that's happening. And I think we're in a good place where it's definitely starting to happen. But um, if that's the one thing I could change, it would just be to accelerate the, the growth of, of that element of things. Brilliant. If we were to give you a billboard, where would you put it and what would it say? Um, I think on the same note of like amplifying marginalised voices, I think I'd have a billboard. Um, well, number one, can it be digital? Because I think it would probably be like a digital 48. Yep. Um, I have thought this through I was um, say, because then I can yeah. have multiple 
Uh, number one, it's a little yeah. bit more environmentally friendly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and also it's more eye-catching. So it would be a D48 um, and it would be, um, I would basically just allow free ad space for just campaign groups, charities. Um, it would just be sort of free space for anyone with a positive message. I think half of it will probably be ad space with led by do uh, for led by donkeys. I don't know if anyone's aware of the, the campaign group, but they do some brilliant work. Um, so probably just be free ad space for them and lots and lots of different charities. That'd be my favourite answer we've ever had, Aisha. The final <laughs> question, which you cannot prepare for, is from Proust's questionnaire. So if you could give me a number between one and 25, please, and I'd ask you to answer it to finish us off. One and twenty-five. Yeah, give me a number, okay. and I'll give you the four. Yes. Uh, what is a trait that you most deplore in others, but you can do it admire in others if you want? Um. No, do well, I, I, can, I, I don't mind doing both. Yeah, do both. It's all very negative. Um, I think the one that I deplore in others is selfishness. I think. I, I hate saying now more than ever in these new normal times, but it's true. Yeah. I think just a bit of empathy goes a long way. Sure. Um, just just to be outside of yourself for a little bit and see what it's like to be in someone else's shoes um, and, and just think about uh, think about others a little bit more. And I think we'll all be in a in a best place. So I'd say uh, selfishness and there is something I deplore and something I like in other people or admire is just empathy. So both sides of the coin. Brilliant. Thank you. Aisha, thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you. Guys.